Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Bishop Latimer preached a sermon that convicted and affected King Henry VIII. Well, the king was a man of pride, and he demanded a formal apology be given by the bishop. Well, next Sunday, in front of the same crowd, this apology was to be given. So it was a sermon of apology. So again, the crowd gathered, same audience, the royal court, etc. Everyone was wondering what the bishop would say. What would the bishop say? What would the bishop say? And Bishop Latimer began his message. Get this, you're going to love it. Bishop Latimer began his message as if he was speaking directly to himself. And he said, Hugh Latimer, in whose presence you are, the presence of the great king who has the power to take your life, he said, Bishop Latimer, consider also whose word you are to proclaim, the great king of kings and the God of gods, who is able to cast your body and soul into hell and be sure that you are faithful to his word. And then he preached the exact same sermon he preached before, but this time with more fervor than before. Well, King Henry VIII came up to him and said, how dare you? And Bishop Latimer said, I'll tell you how dare I. I have another king that outweighs you, of whom I and you must give an account. And you can kill me, but you can't kill me forever. And one day you will also stand in judgment before him. And the king commended him for what he said. That, my friends, is boldness. And we need to be bold. And you can find this idea of boldness woven throughout the scriptures. You know the story of Daniel. You know the story of, uh, of Peter and John as they were arrested and commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they went right back out after having been beaten and they began to speak in boldness the word of God. Write this down, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do to me. Saints, I really believe it is a tactic of the enemy to silence our testimony. I really do. Listen, when it's all said and done, your testimony is all you have. You can be out there sharing the gospel. You can be out there telling people about what the word of God says. But listen, they can choose to not believe that. Are you listening? They can choose to not believe that. 
but you cannot argue the fact that I am telling you that my life has been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God living in I'm You cannot argue the fact that I'm telling you when I was nine years old, I started doing drugs. And when I became a Christian at 21 years old, God took that out of my life and God changed my life 27 years ago. And I have never been the same since. You can't argue with that. You don't have to believe the Bible, but my testimony, you can't take it away from me. Do you understand? You can't argue with fruit. You can't. You can stand there and look at a lemon tree and it's producing lemons and you can say it's an apple tree all you want. But the fact is there's lemons coming off of that tree and you look like an idiot. It's just standing there going, ah, I, I see there's lemons there, but you know what? No, 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 that's an apple tree. No, that's an apple tree. Well, it's not an apple tree. It's a lemon tree. There's lemons coming off that tree. And you can't argue with the fruit that's coming from my life. And we have to be sure that we don't let Satan push us in a corner, especially in the world that we live in today, when you can talk about Hare Krishna, and you can talk about Islam, and you can talk about Buddhism, and you can talk about yoga and meditation and studying your navel lint on the top of a mountain. But as soon as you start talking about Jesus, hold on now, wait a minute, wait a minute, all that religious stuff, all that religious stuff. You know why? You know why? You know why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. That's why. That's why. And Satan knows that. We are not ignorant of his devices. Are you listening? Huh? We're not ignorant of his devices. There is power in the name of Jesus. So Satan wants to hinder you and keep you from speaking your testimony. I'm on a plane on Friday night coming home. My last leg from, where was I? Philly. From Philly to RDU. And I'm sitting next to a lady, so, you know, I, y'all know me, I'm always looking forward to I'm looking for an opportunity to share the gospel every minute I can. Amen. Because I ain't scared. <laughs> and so I'm sitting next to this lady, and, you know, I'm just looking for an opportunity. I know we got 53 minutes, so to me, that's 53 minutes of a captive audience. You know what I mean? So I can, I can just drive her crazy with the gospel for 53 minutes because they tell us 53 minutes and we'll be from wheels up to wheels down 53 minutes. Okay, that's 53 minutes. I got to share the gospel. So I look over at her and I go, hey. You know how you do when you sit down, you just say, uh, how are you? Yeah. Yeah, so where are you going? Same place you're going. We're on the same plane. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Got me. And uh, so, uh, what do you do? I said to her. And she says, oh, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor in nursing. I said, really? She says, yes. I said, well, well what, do, what do you do? I mean, a doctor, doctor in nursing, you're a PhD. I mean, what do you do? I mean, I don't really, you know. And see, if you ever want to witness, listen, here's the key. If you want to witness, then just start with getting people to talk about themselves. Because folks love to talk about themselves. They ain't interested in you. They want to talk about themselves. So you go, really? Well, tell me what you do and how do you do all this stuff? And she's telling me all this stuff. And in the meanwhile, I'm thinking, and she's talking, and I'm in my head, and when I'm looking at her mouth, and it's going, wah, 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 wah. Because in my head, I'm thinking, I just can't wait to interject something. Something she says is going to give me a jump off point. I know it. 
So I'm just waiting. I'm going. I'm, I'm watching her mouth move. Wah, wah, wah. That's all I got. Wah, wah, wah. That's all I hear. And then I never got an opportunity, really, to kind of segue. So I, you know, I just at a, at a moment, I just I I didn't know what else. I just said, "Hey, do you know Jesus?" Actually, she was talking about catheters. She was talking about catheters, and she's like, well, this is my, and I was just like, do you know Jesus? And she was like, and I could tell by looking in her eye, you're one of them. And I'm like, yes. God has sent me. You're one of them. And I began to tell her about the Lord. And I'm telling you, that woman was so glad when that plane landed. She was running off that plane. I'm like, come back here. Come here. Come here. She rolled her luggage. I'm like, come on. You need to get saved. (laughs) Oh, Lord, where was I? (laughs) But we need to be sharing our faith. Are y'all getting me? We need to be willing to, even if it's awkward, because it will be. You can't talk about Jesus and it not be awkward. You know that. So if it's going to be awkward, then fine. I'd like it to be awkward on my terms, and I'd like it to just be really awkward. I mean, so awkward. You, She was shifting her seat. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, Jesus died and Man, you know, when you die, you know, going to go to heaven and science, you know, doctors, they think they're God, don't they? And she's like, well, yeah, there are some doctors that have that attitude. And the reason why is because wah, 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 wah. (laughs) But we have to share our testimony and not be intimidated. Listen, Jesus wasn't intimidated. He wasn't fearful and he wasn't afraid of Herod, and we shouldn't be afraid of Herod. Go ahead and look in your Bibles in verse 32. On the third day, Jesus said, I will be perfected. Perfected has the idea of reaching a goal. Jesus' goal was to enter Jerusalem, to suffer, to die, and to rise again from the grave. Listen, Jesus knew that Jerusalem was the place that the prophets were killed, and he knew that this is the place that he would be killed. But Jesus could face death with confidence because he came to die. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to seek and to save that with those who are lost in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And he came to do for you, listen, he came to do for you what you could not do for yourself. And what could you not do for yourself? You could not pay the price for the penalty of your sin. And Jesus came to do that for us. Jesus knew the plan of ages is on schedule and nothing can change it. And God's plan for your life is on schedule and nothing can change it. Psalm 139, write that down. It tells us that all of your days were numbered before you were born. Listen to me. Before you were born. Before your mama even thought about having you, God had your life and your days numbered. God knew when you would be born. The doctors guesstimate. Well, you got two weeks up here and two weeks down there. Somewhere around there, they should be showing up. But God knows the exact day. Can you say amen? 
God knows the exact day that you're coming into the world, and God knows the exact day that you are going out of the world. God knows the exact, before you were born, before anything was conceived, before all of that, God knows. God knows when you're going to die. You're not going to die. Listen, you are not going to die. That's why you don't need to be living in fear, because you're not going to die one second before God says your time is up. You've run your course. It's over. It's done. You're outie. You won't die not one second before. People are like, oh, well, you guys are going to Israel in January. Aren't you afraid? I mean, you know, all the wars going on in Israel and the Middle East and all the terrorists are everywhere. And aren't you afraid to fly? And I'm like, no, I'm really not. I am no more afraid to be in Israel, Indonesia, or Apex. The reality is God, (laughs) the reality is that God knows the day in which Rodney is going to leave this earth. God knows. In other words, we're indestructible as believers. Now listen, it's a freebie for you entrepreneurs. This is a freebie. Listen, indestructible. Get some t-shirts. Make some really get nice quality because nobody don't like no cheap t-shirts. Okay, get nice quality and put indestructible on there. And somebody said, what does that mean? Then you get to share the gospel. Now, if you make some money, I want my cut. (laughs) All right, because I don't roll like that. Take my idea, don't give me nothing. Give me a check. Hallelujah, don't judge me, pray for me. But we are indestructible. You cannot leave until God says your time is up. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I I don't think that we should be doing things to test or tempt God either. That's why I don't understand skydiving. I don't understand skydiving. Why would anyone willingly jump out of a plane? I, I can understand being pushed out of a plane. But I cannot understand why anybody would jump out of a plane or bungee jumping. Oh, my goodness. Why would anybody bungee jump? There's a rope holding your body, and you willingly toss yourself off. You must be out your mind. You willingly toss yourself off, and you go. If that thing breaks, you are going to have a really bad headache. That's testing or tempting God. No. Why would anybody willingly do something that has a great chance that you might die? But you got to understand, until you are done with your God-ordained course in life, you cannot die. I think of John. John. John on the island. Are you listening? On the island of Patmos. And they tried to boil him to kill him. Boil him in oil, and he wouldn't die. You know, somebody once said that they boiled him in oil and he didn't die because he was a friar. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't even know why I said that. It just came out of my head. I'm sorry. I think of, I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were put, what, in a fiery furnace, and the Bible says that they didn't die. They came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. I think of Paul the Apostle, shipwrecked, bitten by poisonous snakes, beaten, and he didn't die. Until you're done your course, you can't or you won't die. Look at verse 34 and 35 as we come in for a landing. In verse 34, if you're looking at it, say amen. Now, if you got a highlighter, you got a pen, you, I want you to highlight the whole verse. 
I want you to underline the entire verse. Notice in verse 34, Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not what saints willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. Underline that. And as surely I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, please read it with me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Listen, when Jesus says something twice, listen to me, look at me, give me your attention. When Jesus says something twice, it means that it's breaking his heart. His heart is breaking. You might remember when he said, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so much stuff. Martha, you're so busy. Saul, Saul, why doest thou persecute me? And Saul fell to the ground and he was converted and he became Paul the apostle. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You were not willing to allow me to love you and your house is going to be desolate and you won't see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus says your house is left to you desolate. Now write this down. Zechariah chapter 12, write it down. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 tells us that God will pour out on the house of David the spirit of grace and of supplication And they will look upon me whom they have pierced. Did you hear me? Now, this is a great verse. Listen close. This is a great verse. If you're witnessing the JWs or you're witnessing to someone who doesn't believe in the deity of Jesus, then read Zechariah chapter 12. Because Zechariah chapter 12 is Yahweh speaking. It's Jehovah God speaking, and it is Jehovah God who is saying they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Somebody tells you that they don't believe in the deity of Jesus. In other words, the word deity means God. They don't believe that Jesus was God. You take them to Zechariah. Please listen. Zechariah chapter 12, you give it to them. You have them read it. And once they read it, then you ask them the question, who is speaking? A JW or someone who doesn't believe in the deity of Jesus. You ask them who is speaking, and they will tell you it's Jehovah. It's Jehovah God or it's Yahweh. Listen, when did, here's your next question, when did Israel pierce Yahweh God? Well, then the answer is at the crucifixion. Well, that would mean that Jesus is God. If you understand that, I want you to clap your hands. Will you do that? And Zechariah chapter 12, although there are many, 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 many scriptures that tell us that Jesus is God, Zechariah chapter 12 is probably your strongest evidence, especially to JWs who believe in Jehovah. They are Jehovah's witnesses. You read Zechariah chapter 12, you can show them that Jesus was crucified. He is the one who was pierced. And then Jesus died, the Bible says, and the Bible teaches that he's coming back. And when he comes back, many scholars would say and believe that he will show Israel the very scars. And when we see Jesus in heaven, 
he will still bear those scars on the cross. Somebody once pointed out that the only man-made thing in heaven will be his scars. Isn't that interesting? And maybe that's why the Bible says he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, because maybe our first reaction when we see those scars of what our sin did to him, maybe we'll weep. And the Bible says he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. I wanted to gather your children together, but you were not willing. You know, if you're taking notes, you write this down. This was the greatest possibility and the greatest tragedy. The greatest possibility for Israel to receive the love that God had for them. As Jesus says, how often I wanted to be like a hen, like a mother hen. Moms, dads, you know what I'm saying is you want to kind of grab your children and you want to hold them to you and you want to gather them together. Like a, like a hen, Jesus says, I wanted to protect. Jesus says, I loved you. Jesus loved Jerusalem. And Jesus loved the Jewish people. The greatest possibility is for them to receive the love of the Messiah. And then the greatest tragedy, but you were not willing. This is rejected love. And there's nothing that hurts worse. Perhaps you will say amen to this. There's nothing that hurts worse than for love to flow one direction. No return, no response. Jesus loved his people, and he came to his own, and his own received him not. And Jesus is standing there over the city, and, and that was supposed to be the light of the world, and now they are in complete and utter darkness, and Jesus weeps. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I was willing, but you were not. Jesus is weeping because he can look down the quarters of time, and he can see their rejection meant two things. They were going to be cut off and cast off. Look at verse 35. Behold, your house is left desolate. Jesus looked ahead at 66 AD. Now, keep in mind, this text right around here in Luke 13, you listening? Right around here in Luke 13 is probably around AD 32, 33, something like that. So we're talking about 30 plus years from now, Jesus could look down the quarters of time to A.D. 66 when Vespasian and his son Titus comes marching through Jerusalem, and then four years later in A.D. 70 when the temple, the house, was left desolate. It was left empty because the Roman general Titus came marching into Jerusalem, and he set fire to the temple. They threw fire torches inside of the temple, and the temple was full of gold. You know that. And when he set fire to the temple, all the gold began to melt and began to melt in the cracks of the stones and of the bricks. And Titus and his army took the temple apart brick by brick and took all of the gold from the temple, and the temple was left desolate and the people were killed and some were taken captive and Jesus could see these things listen and that's why he weeps oh Jerusalem Jerusalem and I can hear God saying oh Calvary Chapel Calvary Chapel oh earth oh earth if you continue down the path that you are going you will be left desolate you will be left Baron, you will be left held captive. Oh, U.S., U.S. Oh, people, peoples. It breaks 
God's heart when people reject him and reject his love. It only leads to being cut off and cast off and desolate and barren. And Jesus is weeping. I believe he's weeping today. God wants to bless people and people are not willing. You know, any? And God wants to give them a future and give them a hope and they are not willing. And and Jesus is weeping because he could see what sin does to people. And he can see that going after the things of the world, please listen, going after the things of the world don't satisfy. The world cannot satisfy you. Have you got that yet? Nothing can satisfy but Jesus. You can get a nice house and you want a nicer one. You can get a nice car, and you want a nicer one. You can get nice stuff, and you want more stuff. And you can't even contain the stuff you have, so you have a garage full of stuff. That's why the youth yard sale was so successful, because we had all your stuff. By the way, thank you for your stuff. The world can't satisfy. Jesus said to the woman at the well, He says, you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. You drink of the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. Because only Jesus can satisfy. Somebody once said, in every heart, there's a God-shaped hole, and that hole can only be filled by Jesus. Jesus said to them, you won't see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Listen, God wants to bless people, and contrary to what People say, our God that we serve is a God of love. He is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of long-suffering. He is a God of gentleness. He is a God of goodness. He is a God of compassion. You need to be happy about that. He is an awesome, 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 awesome God. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.